Okay. <clears throat> As you know, we've been studying in the letter to the churches in Galatia. And uh, we're going to be continuing that for a little while. Um, and, of course, we know that... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> One of the major themes, obviously, is uh, the idea that uh, there were teachers creeping into the church in the first century there, <clears throat> particularly in the churches in Galatia, where these were uh, Gentile, <clears throat> excuse me, these were Gentile converts mostly, and you had some Judaizing teachers that were creeping into those churches. After Paul's left, of course, after he's gone back and after he's uh, helped establish those churches in, those, in that region, and they're, they're coming back in and they're saying, you know, you, you, you still have to keep the law. You're still required to be circumcised, right? And Paul has written this letter to those churches to rebuke that teaching, to talk about that is not necessary. Yes, we need the law of Moses to reveal things to us about right and wrong. It's our tutor. It reveals the character of God, right? So we know who he is, what he's about. And it helps us to understand how we are to live. But we can't keep that law, right? Not in the flesh. It's not possible. Scripture is very plain about that. We can't keep the law. And if you transgress one letter of the law, you've transgressed the whole thing. And, there, that, and obviously that leads to what? You know, penalty, right? Death. Wages of sin are death. And so now Christ Jesus has come, shed his blood for us, that we might have freedom, right? And we talked a lot about that. Go back over to Galatians chapter 5 there and verse 1. <clears throat> Let's just read what he says. Should have had that open already. <clears throat> 5 1. He said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty which, by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You see, Paul talks about that bondage we have under the law, but now we've been released from that. We don't have to worry about keeping the law anymore. The blood of Christ covers us, right, from sin. Christ has delivered the Jews or delivered the Christians from the obligation to keep the law of Moses. We don't have to worry about keeping the law to the letter. And we couldn't anyways. Christ has delivered all men from that guilt and that power of sin. And you can imagine how that sounded to a Jew in the first century, right? They've been living their whole lives trying to keep the law of Moses, trying to keep the practices that are going on and worrying that, you know, I, I, did I transgress the law today? Have I done something that's not according to the law of Moses? And, and we, we can understand that, right? We, we live today kind of like that at times, right? We, do, we, we go through our lives and we don't want to do the wrong thing, but yet we do it anyway. And sometimes not even realizing it, right? It's hard. It's hard to live a perfect life. We can't do it in the flesh. There's only one that's ever done that, and that's Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying we have this liberty now. You have been freed from the law. You have been freed from this guilt and the power of sin. You now have freedom in Christ. And you need to understand that it's not about keeping that law. You're going to sin. You're not perfect. It's about having that freedom and that love for what God has done for us. Christ has delivered us from the need to keep the law, to keep human traditions. We talked about that too, right? Of course, in the, in the Old Testament, well, in the first century, Christ had to rebuke the Pharisees a lot, right? Because of all the stuff they were adding to the law. You know, they'd come up with all these extra things to make sure that the law was kept. 
that were never meant to be part of the law in the first place and the traditions that came about from that. And traditions, we can see that today, right? We have traditions that we tend to have creep in and we're not careful, they become a law, don't they? They become a law unto themselves. We have to watch out for that. And that's what Paul is saying too. Christ has delivered us from that need to keep the law and that need to keep human tradition. Christ also has offered deliverance from the shedding of his blood, from the deeds of the flesh, which endanger our salvation. Okay, what does that mean exactly? Yes, we have freedom in Christ, but we got to be careful with that. We can't just go out and live, do whatever we want in the world, right? <clears throat> Turn back there to uh, Galatians 5 there. Let's look at our text for today, beginning in verse uh, 13. He says, Galatians 5 and verse 13, he says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law, notice this, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. Okay, interesting statements from Paul. He's talking about this freedom we have in Christ, right? This freedom from having to keep the law, not be circumcised. But then he make, gives us a warning. He gives the Christians there in the first century in Galatia a warning. He says, that doesn't mean you have the freedom to just continue to sin. That doesn't mean you have the freedom to backbite each other, to gossip, to be sexually immoral, to be a thief, to be dishonest, sinful, living a life that is willy-nilly, don't really care. <clears throat> His concerns are simple, yet they're significant. In the exercise of this liberty, which he says can be summed up in one word, love your neighbor, actually that's one phrase, one word, although it says one word, love your neighbor as yourself. And we know from Matthew 22, what's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So, that's where it's summed up. The point he's making is in that liberty, love is overall, right? If you have love for the Father, and love for your neighbor, that's where the law comes in. Yes, ma'am. Love is it. That's it. You did. You did a good job picking that out. <coughs> uh, there's the old, <laughs> it reminds me of the old Braves. Who was it? I think Don Sutton was selling the Braves a lot of time. And something weird would happen in the Braves game. And he, you can sum it up in one word. The baseball, you can sum it up in one word. You never know. That's what he always say, right? You know. But, yeah, good, great point. That is it, love, right? Love is overall. Love is, is, is it. That's right, that's the foundation. That's what we're getting at. God designed you to love him. And he loves you so much that he would deliver and send his son to die for you. It's ultimate love, right? All right, well, what are we talking about? How we have to be careful about this living in the flesh and not being... Um, not, not taking advantage, perhaps, of our liberty, of our freedom, right? What, what are we talking about there? Well, 
Let's turn over to Mark chapter 7 and see what the Lord said about something like that. <clears throat> what we're talking about here. He says, Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 17. He says, When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, What comes out of a man? That defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Jesus was warning what it means to be living in sin. How a man is defiled by the things that he has desires for. How those things are coming from his heart. It's not the things on the outside that hurt us. Not the things on the outside that defile us. It's what's in that heart that controls what we do. All right? That's something that we can see with that love. Turn back to Galatians 5 there. Works of the flesh. What are we talking about here? 5, and let's look at verse uh, 19. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, <clears throat> which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, uh, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The works of the flesh include all these things and they can affect our ability to be saved. If not careful, through such actions, we may even consume one another. Look back there what I read a little while ago, verse 15. He says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. If we're not careful, we can be so, I don't know, mean or evil to each other that we can cause our own salvation to be lost because of that. As brethren, when we come here to worship, we should be doing what? Right? Lifting each other up, encouraging each other, loving each other. Sometimes we're not so good at that though, right? Yeah, there's some times that get a little backbiting going on, a little gossiping going on, and that old leaven gets in there and starts affecting the whole loaf. Yeah, we got to be careful about that. These are things of the flesh that are not in accordance with our freedom. Liberty in Christ does not mean we have license to do whatever we want. Have you ever had some friends who would say, I'm a Christian. They go to, and even maybe they go to church on Sunday. Not necessarily here, but anywhere. And during the week, when you're with them, you know, every ten words is a curse word. You know, they're doing all kinds of things that you know I don't think a Christian should be doing. And I don't know, maybe you're part of that. Hope not. I wouldn't think so. 
but yeah, we've got friends like that, don't we? I had a guy coach softball with me many years ago. He came to me one day and said, let's have a team together and we'll run it like uh, to show our Christian example to the kids, right? And I said, okay, well, that sounds wonderful. We'll do that then. I don't know why I should have done it, but I did. But it, I wanted to do it. But anyways, we'd get in practice and he'd be out there cursing at the kids. And I'm thinking, you know, how are we going to show a Christian example when you're doing stuff like that? And after a couple weeks, I had to confront him about it. And uh, he changed. He realized that. we got to be careful how we live, right? And I'm not saying that to be I was anything great. I'm just saying that's an example of what I'm talking about, right? That's an example of what we have to be careful about. Yes, we have liberty. Yes, we have blood of Christ that covers our sins when we're walking in the light but if we continue to do things and sin continue to willfully go out there and just act like the world I'm not sure that liberty is I'm not sure we we are understanding what that liberty is I've talked, I've talked to other people about things you know in, in, in Christianity about grace and things like that and I've had people say well I don't have to worry about sin I'm covered grace is covering me I'm thinking well yeah but when you do something every day you know that kind of puts a stain on that freedom right that kind of puts a stain on that liberty and I'm not saying you're not going to sin but there's certain things that you need to be getting past right you need to be taking control of not just living in that liberty so we all had friends like that perhaps you've had to get past some of that right and I have seen some who've become Christians and they changed. I've seen that happen too. I've seen their lives become more of an example of Christ. Perhaps the cursing stopped. Perhaps the crowds on a party and whatever you want to call it stopped. I've seen that happen too. So that's kind of one of the, that's one of the things we're talking about. What's, what's another thing we got to be careful about is is the works how the works of the flesh obviously endanger our salvation first our example now our salvation back there in Galatians 5 and verse 16 he says I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish but if you are led by the spirit you're not under the law in other words, when we go back to living in sin or living a world, living worldly, we are going against the Spirit. Not good. We're being contrary to the desire of the Spirit for you to continue to grow in the Spirit and become more like Christ. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to live a life completely perfect like Christ did. But that should be something you're trying to do. And you should see that in your life as you're growing becoming more Christ-like, not pushing against the Spirit. What else are we doing with that? Well, back there in verse 19, um, let's continue to read there, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uh, lewdness, adultery, sorcery. Actually, we read this already. Let's move on to uh, verse 20. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against their, such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
Hmm. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. You see, if we're not careful, we're going to cause us to forfeit our inheritance, cause us to live outside of the Spirit. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 6 and see what else he says about that to the church in Corinth. Beginning in verse 7, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 7 says, Now therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? He's talking about taking brothers or oaths to, to court. No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things in your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. First, I want you to notice there, what's he saying about the court thing? Why takes your brother to court? What does it matter to you if he got wronged? Right? We've talked about that. In this life, it don't matter anyways, right? If you've got your mind on heaven, if you've got your mind on eternity, you shouldn't be worrying about what somebody did wrong to you. I know, that's tough to do in practice, right? You want to be, you want to have, you know, you want to make sure you're done right. But Paul's saying, you don't need to be taking your brother to court. It don't really matter. In fact, you're going to be judging those who are not part of the kingdom anyway because of the way you've lived. And then he goes on and says, because of these things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. That kingdom where God is the ultimate judge, right? God who will set things right in the end, right? And so if you have that mindset, the things here should be going away. The things here should not be so important to you got to be careful about reaping corruption for those who sow the flesh. Look back in Galatians chapter, and go to 6, and just read a verse there in uh, chapter uh, 6. He says, beginning in verse 6, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the Spirit, <clears throat> oh, I lost my place. So to the Spirit, but he who goes to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Even though we're living in freedom in Christ, we still have to do things according to the Spirit. And very plain in Scripture, what you sow, you're going to reap. Pretty easy concept, right? Yes, sir.
you didn't hear those stands talking about that, that's we are to deny ourselves daily. We are to crucify ourselves. Romans 6 talking about being baptized with him and who is death, right? Raised to newness of life. We are crucifying, denying ourselves, and that has to be done daily. We are to take up our cross daily. Right, absolutely. We are to sow the things of the spirit, not of the flesh. The flesh is temporary. Flesh is dying. Flesh is going to go away. We'll have our new bodies. We'll be with the Lord in the end forever. So if our minds are set on these things, we're, we're not sowing things of the flesh. We're careful about that. We're not going to reap corruption for those who we teach. And that's another thing we need to be careful about. right? Especially if we're preaching one thing and doing something different coming in on Sunday and preaching and during the week we're living like the world people are going to see there's something wrong there and it's going to affect your example right the works of the flesh as Stan just said must be crucified why? turn over Colossians let's see something that Paul wrote there Colossians 3 Therefore, uh, verse 5, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Got to worry about that wrath that's coming from God. That's the why. How do we do that? Turn over to Romans. Romans chapter 8. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Pretty simple right there. Like Stan was saying. You live according to the flesh, you're going to die. The flesh is going away. You live according to the Spirit, the Spirit lives forever. And you will live forever. Pretty simple statement. And that's how we do it. That's how we put off the flesh, by being in the Spirit. How do we be in the Spirit? In the Word, in prayer, in service. Simple as that. Well, I don't understand the Spirit. I don't understand what that means to be in the Spirit. It's not really that hard. You have the Word here. The Spirit delivered it. The inspiration, right? We can understand what God wants for us right here. We can be in prayer to Him. Line our will up with his will. Help us understand his word. To know what to do in our lives. And then we can get busy. That's how you live in the spirit. Right there. It's not any magical thing. It's not any spooky or weird thing. It's just getting with it. Getting busy. Understanding what God wants for your life. Praying about it. That's how you do it. 
Otherwise, we're not going to be truly Christ. Chapter 5, we've read some scriptures about that. <clears throat> going back to Romans 6, which Stan just talked about. Got a, got a little ahead of me there on that stuff, but get to it, but good job. Romans 6, turn over there. Now let's begin in verse 11. And we're going to talk about what, uh, how we've been set free from that bondage, right? Verse 11, Romans 6, Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you shall obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Represent yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are under the law, or not under the law, but under grace. In other words, one thing you need to be thinking about is not, is, is getting, um, what am I trying to say here? Not to let that sin reign in your body, but to be in, uh, have your mind set on things of the Spirit. I guess what I'm trying to say is when, when you're tempted, there's always a way out, right? And the first thing perhaps you should do and make this a practice is to put your mind on Christ. Yeah, you're going to have temptations. And the best way to get out of it is to think of the Spirit. Perhaps that means getting in the Bible and reading something, finding something that, that's going to help you. Perhaps that means getting down on your knees and praying about it. Perhaps that means you got to go, get out of the situation. There's all kinds of ways to do it. And yeah, when you're tempted, yeah, it's hard to get your mind set on something else, isn't it? Your heart set on something else. That's what we're talking about here. The dying ourselves, putting our mind on Christ. We've been set free from that bondage of sin so that we can serve God. <clears throat> Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the key to be serving God. Maybe if you're busy serving God, you don't have too many temptations. A lot of people, you read about, you know, depression and things like that, or people that stay really busy so they don't have to think about things that are going bad in their lives. Well, that's understandable, right? You can understand how that could be, how somebody says, well, I just, want to, I just work all the time because I got too many bad things going on, I don't want to think about it, you know? Out of mind, you know, out of sight, out of mind, whatever you call it. Same thing with sin, right? Well, how, we're, I'm, I'm leading up to it, but how are we able to do this? Paul discusses this, right, in our text. We find the other side of the coin residing regarding our liberty in Christ and not serving the flesh. How? Well, getting to work. Turn over to chapter 12 there in Romans. Stay there in Romans. And let's see what Paul says in Romans 12. Verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. 
If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The Lord has given us certain abilities. These abilities are to be used in the kingdom. And that's another way we put off the sin. Just talked about that. We need to find out what our abilities are in the kingdom, in the church, and put them to good use. Denying ourselves, serving our brethren. We're to minister such gifts to one another. First Peter, uh, chapter 4, Peter talks about that. The strong, in Romans 15, we can read In fact, let's, let's turn over there and just read that real quick. 15 and verse 1. He says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves, lest each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. I just talked about it. One of the reasons we come here on Sunday is to edify each other, encourage each other, right? The Lord told us to assemble ourselves together because He knew we needed each other. The world is against. There's temptation. There's persecution. There's things out there in the world that we have to fight against all the time. We need each other's help. We need that encouragement every, every day, really. But at least once a week, right? We need to be together and encourage each other, loving each other taking care of each other. That's what we're talking about here. That's how you put off the flesh. Interesting, isn't it? Continuing in 15 there, let's read on and uh, I'll, I'll go back to chapter 14, even describes it, I think, very well too. Chapter 14 and verse 19, Therefore, let us pursue the things which, made for, which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. Talks about how that's made for peace. If we want to have a joyous life in this life, an abundant life that we read about in the last chapter of John, we need to be in service to one another. We don't need to be backbiting, stabbing each other, devouring one another. We need to be helping each other. That's how we serve in the Spirit and we put off the flesh. Liberty in Christ means to be free to serve one another. And how do we serve each other? Louise just talked about it a minute ago. Our love for one another. That's how we do it. Loving one another fulfills the law. Love enables one to serve others with sacrifice. That's Philippians 2, by the way. We're running out of time. And we will, uh, love, love will cause us to serve each other. Even when it's not reciprocated when you do something for someone do you expect them to do something for you do you have that mindset when someone does something for you you got to be sure and do something for them well you should have that right but the love he's talking about is so great that we love just because you are my brother not because I need anything in return. I love you because God loved me. He sent his son to die for me. 
That's what we're talking about here. If you want to put off the flesh, if you want to live in the spirit, you need to love each other unconditionally. That's not easy to do, is it? You can say, oh, I love my wife or my husband. Yeah, I love them unconditionally. I'd die for my spouse. I'd die for my children. I love my children with all my heart. And, you know, our children grow up and leave us like dogs. I'm just saying. But that don't mean we quit loving them, right? And in the church sometimes it's hard to love our brethren, isn't it? Somebody does you wrong. Somebody says something to you that you don't like. Maybe somebody rebukes you because they don't think you're wearing the right thing, huh? Or maybe somebody says something to you because you missed two Sundays in a row. Well, maybe they're doing that out of their love for you, their concern for you. Yeah, sometimes that can be a little on the borderline right there. That has to be considered. If you're putting off the flesh, if you're living in the spirit, those things shouldn't matter. Just like we talked about a minute ago about taking people to court. What does that matter if someone's done you wrong? This life's going to end. And in the end, what's that going to matter? The only thing that matters is that the Braves won the World Series last year, right? Nope. The only thing that matters is what you did for Christ and you did for your neighbor. That's the only thing. Yeah, I know, there's a lot of stuff. We're busy, we got jobs, we got school. We got all these things taking up time in our lives. But I guarantee you, on your deathbed, you're not going to say, man, I wish I'd spent more hours at the office. Or, man, I wish I'd have played a little more softball when I was a kid. Or, man, I wish I'd caught a few more fish when I was out there on the lake. It ain't going to matter. What matters is that you live your life according to the Spirit. Our liberty in Christ is a wonderful blessing. Maybe we don't understand that as much as they did in the first century, but we don't have to worry about keeping the law. We are delivered from that guilt of sin because of the blood of Christ. We are delivered from the works of the flesh which endanger our salvation. But our liberty in Christ must produce the right response. Right? Gratitude in our hearts toward God requires us to have loving service to one another. And that's how you do it. That's how you put off the flesh and put on the spirit. So, point being, we have great freedom in Christ Jesus, but Paul warns us, don't take advantage of it and just do whatever you want. Yes, sir. Yeah, he just read Ephesians 2.10, if you didn't hear that, we are creating Christ Jesus for good works. And that's exactly right. We are his. All right. Mom and Pop are coming in the door. I guess that means it's time to close up. Uh, thanks for being here. Our time is up.